Um, did you notice on your chairs that there are cards for um, our series in November? <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry. Um, we got a series coming up in November called Satisfaction. Um, do you guys, y'all know people that no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, they're never satisfied? Don't point, don't point at people. <laughs> don't do that. Um, I, I just think I've noticed that. There's a, I don't know, just with people in general, but even in, the, even in church, just um, this, this lack of satisfaction, right? And so, um, God, I'm going to botch this. Piper fans, where are you at, Piper fans? You're a Piper fan. Make sure I guess, what does John, what does John Piper say? We're most satisfied in God when we're, no, God's most happy with us when we're most satisfied with Him. Is that how it goes? Yeah, so there's just some, there's a real key to satisfaction, right? Um, so what I've learned is satisfaction is probably not about having more. It's about knowing what we have, okay? So um, facts, things that we know to be true because we're in Christ. Um, we'll be taking a month and learning that. I want to apologize if it makes you awkward. Um, I didn't do this intentionally. I didn't intentionally have a series on sex and then follow it with a series on being satisfied. But, you know, whatever. I mean, that's... <laughs> It was not even on the radar until last week. I was like, wow, that's cool. So, like, Phil, how do, you, how do we intro that? Right? And he's like, I don't, cigarettes? I don't know. You know, what do you do with that? Um, I have no idea. I'm not advocating cigarettes at all. I'm just saying nothing satisfies like a series on sex. Um, huh. Turn to the person next to you and say congratulations. Okay, I can tell right off we're going to have a bit of a problem because this is the active group and all the rest of you are losers. So turn to the person next to you and say, congratulations. congratulations. That was better. I was, I was lumping you in with that side. Okay, I was with you because you were about to come up here and hit me. I can, I'm very nervous. Um, here's why. Because you have made it through. You're halfway through. You're halfway through um, a series on sex. Wow. Uh, and now some of you are visiting. For, you're like, um, I'm leaving right now. Um, so you've made it through, you've made it through like halfway through what could be a really awkward month about what could be an awkward topic. Um, I want to say this, you've done, you've hung in there, you're dealing with, um, anybody, I don't know, you can kind of feel yucky during this series because anytime that we talk about, um, sexuality from God's perspective, then it kind of, I mean, it's cool to know, right? I don't know if, you know, how many of you have kind of heard stuff and went, wow, that's awesome. But it also, when you highlight it from God's perspective, doesn't it kind of highlight how bad we've messed it up? And so it's easy to start to kind of feel yucky and uh, um, But you've hung in there. Um, this week and next week will be the last two weeks. How many of you, uh, don't have to raise your hand, but either during a message or maybe in a community group, you've had moments during the month where you kind of thought to yourself, God, I wish I'd have known that 10 years ago. I wish I'd known that when I was 15. I wish I'd known that when, you know, why didn't my dad tell me that? Um, I think that's normal, you know. It's normal to, to learn things along the way and kind of wish we'd known it earlier. Um, it's easy. It can lead to regret. Uh, I know a lot of people are struggling with some of that during this, this series. And, you know, I hate that. There's just no way to do it. There's no way to talk about this and not experience some regret over past decisions. I put this on Facebook this week. I put that regret is real, but redemption is realer. Um, it's really bad grammar, but really, really good theology. I love that. The redemption of God is, is bigger than anything that we've done in the past. So um, next week we'll wrap up. The, the, the whole last week is on the purification of sex. And we'll kind of talk about, like, what do we do going forward with all that we've learned? Um, what do we do going forward? By the way, this has nothing to do with the sermon, but have you ever been somewhere and the speaker held water and you just always wondered, when will he actually drink from it now? I've been places where they held it the whole time and then they just like never even took a sip. Um, 
Anyway, next week we'll talk about the purification of sex. So kind of like, what, with all that we've learned, what do we do with that <clears throat> going forward? What do we do going forward with what we've learned? So let's talk real quick today. What have we learned to this point about sex? Uh, week one, we learned this. We learned that sex, the purpose of sex is, anybody remember the purpose of sex is? Is to glorify God, intimacy, right? The purpose of sex is intimacy. And that's when we learned about chemicals. Remember the chemicals? It's crazy. Like things I never really knew until I started studying for this, that uh, women have this chemical called oxytocin, right? And men have a chemical called vasopressin. And so whenever we're intimate, romantically, sexually, our bodies, our brains, like, like alert the body, woo, 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 release chemicals, release chemicals. And those are released and they function like super glue, and they bond us to whoever we're with in that moment. Now, that alone, that's not even about Jesus. That's just biology. That alone should make us hit the pause button on sexual stuff. Because that's serious, like super glue. And, and so we learned in week one, man, God designed us that way so we would bond with a mate for life. We, we joked around a little bit because what I read in one of the books is that it only takes a 20-second hug, right? It takes a 20-second hug. A 20-second embrace is all it takes for a woman's brain to alert her body to release oxytocin. So here at the gathering, we only believe in 19-second hugs. That's all we do, right? 19 seconds, and you're watch the timer, and you're like hugging them, done, done, out, right? You know, I'm not going to release no chemical explosion here. Um, so we don't want to bond, right? So, but we also learn is that that's the, that's the purpose of sex is intimacy in marriage, we've talked about this little, um, this little analogy. Like sex is like a fire, and it's supposed to be in the fireplace of marriage, right? So if it's in the fireplace of marriage, then fire's good. Last night at, our, at the Jenkins house, we had our first fire of the season. I love fires. Um, I have a fire pit that's about like that. But I want to have a fire pit as big as the stage, right? I mean, I, I mean, I'm the only guy here. Like, God, I just love fire pits. Like, the bigger the better, right? Like, bring in a backhoe, dump in some Christmas, old Christmas trees, gas, you know, like roast marshmallows and your kids at the same time, right? Um, it's crazy. I'm not advocating. I'm just saying it could happen. I love big fires. And so the crazy thing is, like, we, we've taken, we've taken this, this really, really powerful moment sexuality we're taking this sex that's reserved for marriage it's a fire it's it's powerful it super glues us together and we've taken it from the most secure place marriage and we've just put fires wherever we want to put them and then we're surprised that our lives are screwed up you know i thought about the proverb that says can a man scoop fire into his lap and not be burned so last night i'm outside we're doing s'mores and you know you know how it is at the fire you sit next to it and you're like really really you're never really good except for about 10 seconds and then you're really hot so you have to walk away then you're cold you come back but there's like 10 second ones you're like this is one. okay that's enough right you know so i'm just looking at the coals they're so hot and i'm thinking who in their right mind would pick up a hot coal or a hot piece of wood and just put it in their lap who would do that for one and then the second one if somebody did that who would do that and then be surprised that they burned themselves well i'd say everybody that's ever had sex in the wrong place that's what we've done we've we've taken something that's supposed to be secure and we've burned ourselves with it the bible knows that god knew that he said can a man scoop fire in his lap and not be burned so, so we've learned it, man, if it's a fire in a fireplace, we need to keep it in the fireplace. Not because God's a mean God, but because he wants to protect us. Last week, we talked about the problem of sex. And 
I use the word idolatry, and we don't ever use that word. Um, but the, what we mean by idolatry is this. If there's a certain place that it should be, when we make it all about sex, and you know people, it's not you, of course, but you know people, it's all about the sex, right? If their relationship's going bad, it's because the sex isn't good, right? If their marriage isn't good, well, if you could just be better in bed, then we'd be better off as a as married couple. We've made sex the whole deal. And so when we make sex everything, you know, we talked about this once, when it becomes the only thing, we lose everything, right? Um, we talked about the people that, that used Ashley Madison's website, and then they got hacked, and their emails got exposed, and there are people killing themselves all over the place. I'm not, not making a lot of suicide. I think it, makes, it paints a bigger picture of how important it is that we keep sex in the right place. When we make an idol, an idol out of it, we lose, we lose everything. So, Remember the um, book I read called Hooked, and so the, they used the example of the duct tape. Like when you stick tape and you take it off, you stick it again, take it off. If you do it so many times, you kind of, you can't stick it anymore. It kind of loses its sticky, right? And that's kind of the problem that we have in sexuality in America is that, have you, have you noticed this? Girls, of course, notice this. They're like to the guys, why can't you commit? Is it possible he's lost the ability because he's stuck himself so many places that he can't? Be intimate. I don't want to get too into your personal lives, but when you've gone, when you've been sticky all over the place and you've got no sticky left, that's when two people that have no sticky get married and they have sex and they have no intimacy. And then, man, if I just described your marriage, you need to come back next week because I'll help you then. <laughs> You're welcome. No, no, let me just say this. If that describes your marriage, let me just make it clear. We are next week, all next week is about, like, what do we do next, right? How do we fix this? I'm not trying to make you feel bad. Let me just make this very, very clear. If that describes your marriage, if it describes your relationships, know this. We serve a God that can bring dead things to life. We serve a God that can make new things from old. He can take Things that can't stick, and he can make them sticky again. I love that. Now, that's all, we'll talk all next Sunday about that. But just know this, hope is on the way. So let me just recap real quick, and then we'll jump into stuff. The purpose of sex is intimacy. The problem of sex is idolatry. This morning, we're going to talk about the perversion of sex. And it's a big word, but you're going to see that the perversion of sex happens incrementally. Okay, incrementally. That is a really big word. It does have two L's at the end because I had to look it up. So, Let's talk about this. What is perversion? Um, <laughs> things that you don't hear pastors say a lot. So when I say pervert, you think, you know, like what, what comes to mind when you think pervert? So I brought some examples. Um, hang with me, okay? Just hang with me. So this is obviously Jared. He's the spokesperson. Well, he was the spokesperson for Subway till he got busted for child pornography, Okay, so I don't know if you knew that or not. If, if you did, Subway's still a great place to eat. I love their subs. Um, they will help you lose weight, but he's... You know, we think pervert, maybe we think this. Um, for the older people in the room, right, right, right. So, uh, <laughs> Pee Wee Herman. Um, now, I could have brought a picture of Bill Cosby, but I didn't, right? Cause, hmm, I know, that was, I, I just went way close to home. Um, I'm just curious, we've got a young church. Anybody know who this is? Does anybody know who that is? It's Ted Bundy. Yeah, so we'll talk more about him in a little bit. Um, just Ted Bundy, it's crazy. Like, I found that picture, I'm like, I'm going to put that up as a pervert, and everybody's going to be like, what? But more about him in, in, in a minute. Um, it's funny to me, when we think perversion, when we think perverts, don't we always think of the worst people? The worst of the worst, right? We think of people that are so far gone, and I, I'm glad that you think this way, okay? We th- they're so far gone that we say to ourselves, I would never do 
that, right? Because that's perverted. But that's not what perversion is at all. Let me read the definition. This is the definition of perversion. To pervert something means this. It means to alter something from its original course, meaning, or state to a distortion or corruption of what was first intended. Let me read it one more time. To alter something from its original course, meaning, or state to a distortion or corruption of what was first intended. So what you need to get today, we'll say this a lot, okay, over and over again. Perversion is the end result of small degrees of separation from God's will. That's all it is. Perversion is the end result of small degrees of separation from God's will. It's so important for us to understand. And here's why. Because um, church people, we're all church people, right? Church people, we're so quick in series like this. When I talk about perversion and sexual perversion, we're so quick to, to throw all the blame on those bad people out there that are doing really bad things, Jared and Bill Cosby and Pee Wee Herman and that guy that didn't look like a pervert, but apparently he is because the pastor said so. Like, we're so quick to throw the blame on them that we take the attention off of us. And I told you early on, the, the, the win for our church in this series is that we would have an increase in personal holiness that would lead to a decrease in public hypocrisy. That's the win. I'm really not worried about what they do. I'm more worried about what we're doing in here. Like, are we living personally holy before the Lord? So perversion is, is if God's got a plan and we deviate just a little, that's perversion. I, I, how many of you, um, and I'll read you a scripture in the Bible to show you this is in there. How many of you remember, gosh, it's been like 20, 25 years ago, the girl that got shot at Carowinds riding on a raft? Does anybody remember that? Um, I think she got killed, Did she, right? She was killed. So check this out. Like Carowinds has a wave pool, right? And she's on a raft in the wave pool just having a great time. And all of a sudden, she's dead. Like nobody hears a gunshot. Nobody knows what happened to her. Like they're, they're like their worst nightmare comes through. They're looking for the shark in the wave pool. Like, you know, everything. And then they suddenly realize she's got a bullet hole. She was killed with a bullet. So, of course, they launched this entire investigation. You know, what happened? Here's what they found out what happened. Some of you already know the story because you remember this from the news. They found out that way, way far away from Carowinds was some guy who had a, a firing range in his backyard. And he was doing target practice. And he, he's shooting and he missed the target. And the bullet that should have hit the target went up into the air, and it landed in that girl, and she died. Now, how many of you know, I just want to make sure you're, again, that you're getting this concept. How many of you know that he was not shooting at, that, at the target like this, right? I mean, he was not like, ready, aim, I'm an idiot. You know, that's, he, was, he was just off a little, but the result down the road was tragic. That's perversion. That's perversion. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 um, is without a doubt, in my opinion, the worst chapter in the Bible. You can't read Romans 1 and feel good. Well, there's a couple of good verses in there, but you get to the end of Romans 1. And let me tell you why. Because Paul's writing Romans. It's, it's a fantastic letter. Um, we'll, we'll probably do a study on Romans as a church. Um, if you want to understand just theology, doctrine, like why we believe what we believe, the foundations of, our, of, of what we believe, Romans is your, is your letter. It's a fantastic letter. But here's the problem. He wrote it to people 
who thought they were better than other people. Sounds a lot like church, doesn't it? So he had to do some work early on to show, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't care if you're a Jew, Gentile, Roman. I don't care who you are. If you're breathing, you got stuff in your life that brings you to the foot of the cross, and you need salvation from Jesus. That's the book. That's what he's writing to them. So Romans chapter 1, he just brings everybody back to the level playing field, and he talks about how we have sinned, right, and what it kind of leads to. So I'm going to read to you um, verses 18 just down through 24. Here's what it says. It says, the wrath of God, everybody know, when it says the wrath of God, this is not going to be fun, right? When, talk about the love, dude, not the wrath. But the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. Verse 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal men and birds and animals and reptiles. Verse 24. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity, for the degrading of their bodies with one another. Let me see um, if you know this. When you see the word therefore in the Bible, you know what you're supposed to do, right? You're supposed to stop and say, huh, what's that therefore? Okay, that's how you read the Bible. Whenever you see therefore, huh, what's that therefore? And so this, this word means everything that happens after verse 24 is a direct result of what happened before verse, I mean, before the word therefore, okay? So whatever happens after that word is because of what happened before that word. So what, what did they do, what did mankind do that got them to the place where God would say, hey, I'm going to give you over in your sinful desires? Here's what they did. They neither glorified God, verse 21, they didn't glorify Him as God, they didn't give thanks to God, their thinking became futile, their foolish hearts were darkened. They stopped worshiping the glory of God and started worshiping mortal men, idols. They stopped thanking God. They stopped worshiping God. They thought they were smarter than God. They stopped, they stopped glorifying God. And they started glorifying things. See, those are the small things, the small ways that we can get perverted, Right? Have you ever noticed in your life, have you ever gone through a whole week and at the end of the week you're just like, man, that week sucked. And you look back and realize, I never once thanked God for anything. I totally ignored God the whole week. And I got to the end of the week and it was like horrible. And you think, man, if I could just go back to Monday and remember God, see God, thank God, worship God, I bet that would change my whole week. That's what's going on here. See, I, I, as a church, as a Christian, as a pastor, as believers, we're so lumped in with all the people in the world who want to preach against all the bad stuff. And they'll go to the end of this, this chapter, Romans chapter 1, and they'll preach from it. And, and absolutely, without doubt, it's in here. Okay, just let me give you a couple examples. Things that happen as a result of not thanking God, worshiping God, being aware of God. All these things happen. They're um, dishonorable sexual pleasures. There's a whole range of stuff that could happen there. Homosexuality, gossip, slander, pride, disobedient children. There's just like no way around it. Verses 29 through 32 are just a brutal ending to this chapter. It's, it's the picture of perversion's final destination. 
So we're really, really quick, right? We're quick as Christians to highlight the hot-button topics that we have no problem with. But just, just since it's us here, there's plenty in that list for church people, right? Can we just start with gossip? Can, can I just tell you from Scripture that when we gossip about homosexuals, according to this, we're just as guilty as they are? That when we have pride, then we're just as guilty as they are. I was, I was mowing the yard yesterday and I was asking, like, God, why? What a weird combination. Like, you're talking about sexual immorality in this chapter. And why would you throw in stuff like, like gossip? And why would you throw in disobedience to your parents? Like, you know, why would you do that? I don't get it. Why, how, do they, like, how do these things go together? And it just, like, hit me. Wait a second. They go together because all of these suppose that I know better than God. You see that? So God sets it up. We talked about this the last couple of weeks. God designs men and women, right, to be together with, with, with like sex. You got the oxytocin, the vasopressin. He's, he's designed for us to hook up, to be bonded together, one, one person for life. God designed it that way. But what would lead to sexual immorality? The people that say, oh, come on, God, that's so old-fashioned. You've been around for like ever, and you're, you don't know what you're talking about. I can scoop fire into my lap and not be burned. Watch me. Right? And so they go out and they like, I got a better way. I've got a, I know more than God. So th- then you get married, right? Like, hey, God designed it so a man and a woman would get married for obvious reasons, mostly because that's one way to have kids, right? Man and woman together. And then we say, as a, as a culture, we go, hey, you know what? I think that's a bad idea. I, I think I'd like to be a man with a man, woman with a woman. I, I'd like that. I think that's better, God. All that is is saying to God, hey, you got a design, I get it, but no, no, not for me. Gossips. How does that fit in with gossips? People that gossip about other people. It's because they feel like they're superior to those people. And so God says, hey, look, I've got an agenda for your tongue. It is to build people up to speak words of life and not words of death. And we say, yeah, I know God, but you don't know them like I do. I know what I should say. I'm going to go ahead and just rip them up. It's because I think I know better than God. Disobedient to your parents. I can relate to this because I was a horrible teenager to my parents. Why are, why are teenagers disobedient to their parents? Because they think they know more. Because God says, I've got a plan. Here's the plan. I'm going to give you moms. I'm going to give you dads. They're going to they're speak my words into you. They're going to raise you in the ways of the Lord. And they're going to prepare you to go out on your own. And teenagers go, eh, whatever. I got a better idea. Every one of these, it's all because in our rebellious state, we say to God, no thanks. If if we were driving on the same interstate with God, this is where we give him the one finger salute, right? That's what we're saying to God. I know you got a design, I know you got a plan, but no, man, I know better. It's huge. It's a huge deal. And when we're just off a little bit, if we say to God, you've got a plan, you've got a design, what was the definition of pervert? To just be a little bit off. If we're just a little off, if I just aimed a gun a little higher than that target, I'm going to kill a girl on the other side. You've got to get that. That is the big idea today. Let me give it to you. Perversion is a matter of small steps now, not giant leaps later. Small steps now, not giant leaps later. If we're just off a little bit here, I don't do a lot of outdoor stuff, but if you've ever gone in the woods with a compass, right, and you're supposed to navigate with a compass, if that compass is off a little bit, if it's just off by a degree here, I mean, how far are you off when you get there? 
This is where the perversion begins. That's where it ends. And we're so focused on that that we would never even think about how it affects us here. In in our community group this week, um, Josh, I'm sorry, Jason Phibbs, he teaches it and he used this example. He'd heard a pastor say this, just, just so you can kind of see how we rationalize the small stuff because we're so focused on the big stuff. The pastor got up in front of his church, and he just asked this question. Hey, raise your hand. How many of you love to watch, <clears throat> love to watch full-length porn movies? Just raise your hand. And it looked about like this, right? He's like, yeah, nobody's raising their hand on that. He goes, but hey, let me ask you another question. How many of you have, have at one point in your life watched a movie, even if it was a bad movie, like cheesy movie, just because you thought there might be the possibility of some nudity? Yeah, right, like every guy in the room's like, oh, I don't want to raise my hand, but yeah, okay, I watched the cheesy movie because I thought I might see something. That's the example of how we don't want to deal with that, but that's what perversion is. It's just a little off here, not there. I've, I've got a video clip I want you to see. Um, it's a little bit chilling. It's going to introduce you a little bit more to the man that you didn't know earlier. This is a, an interview with Ted Bundy, um, possibly the most infamous serial killer our country's ever known, um, really jacked up sexually as well. And just before he was executed, um, James Dobson interviewed him. I want us to watch that. It'll be about four minutes and I'll come back. All right, let me tell you what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that if you look at porn, have looked at porn, will look at porn, that you'll become a serial killer, okay? It's not what I'm saying at all. Um, what I am saying, and if you're writing stuff down, this is something good to write down. I'm saying that correction ensures direction. Correction ensures direction. So if you're correcting where you are today, it ensures that you're going the right direction where you want to reach tomorrow. If you're not correcting yourself, again, it's the gun, right? It's the, I just missed it a little bit and the girl in Carowinds is dead. A little correction now ensures the right direction later. I don't know if you picked up on what he said, but he said, I was a normal guy except for one area. Song of Solomon 2.15. This is our verse today. I think it's a good one. It says, catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. Here's what he's saying. He's like, look, we're we're working on something. We're we're dealing with something. We're building something. My wife and I, Wendy and I, we we have a vineyard. We're working on something. We got a marriage, and we got to catch the little foxes. It's not the big things that jack us up. It's the small stuff. And we've got to work on catching the little foxes. Ted Bundy says, look, there was just this one area of my life that got out of control. Just one small area that got out of control. Catch for us the little foxes that ruin the vineyards. Um, I I think there's a couple ways to catch foxes. Let me give you a couple of them. One, um, examine yourself. Uh, 2 Corinthians 13.5 says to examine yourself and see if you are in the faith. He goes on to say, I hope that when you do, you will see that you are in the faith. Um, I don't know if you like tests or not. Um, not many guys I know like to go to the doctor, right? She's like, I don't want to go to the doctor. Like, I think if I just stay home and just take aspirin, that huge lump will go down, right? It's like, no, you probably should get that checked out, right? You know, um, we don't like, we don't like to go to the doctor. We don't want to get the bad news. We don't, some people don't like to take tests because the tests reveal that they don't know much. I think the test reveals you should study more. Um, but we don't want to take tests because we don't want to find out that we don't know enough. We don't like to be examined. But, but Paul's writing to the Corinthians. He says, look, examine yourself and see if you're in the faith. I think that's one way that we, we, we kind of catch these little foxes. We, we, we're vigilant. We stay alert. We're looking to see what's in my life right now. We have people in our lives that can speak into our lives and say, I see something in you that I didn't see six months ago. 
Examine yourself and see if you're in the faith. And then second, I love how Jesus says this in Luke 9.23. He says, take up your cross daily and follow me. Take up your cross daily. Like daily, pick up the cross and remind yourself that we're dying to our desires so that we can follow Jesus, right? I don't know how you follow Jesus, but when I read verses like that, what, it makes me think of like, have you ever been in New York City? New York City is crazy. Traffic is crazy. Can you imagine going to New York City for the very first time and you're driving your car and you have to go somewhere. You have no idea where it is. You don't, you don't have your phone. You can't GPS it. You don't have Siri to say recalculating, right? You got no shot except for one person that goes, hey, look, I'm driving a white pickup truck. It's right there. Follow me. And he gets in the car, cranks up and takes off. How close are you following the white pickup truck? Like that, right? Like if he cuts over three lanes of traffic, you're just like, sorry, right? I mean, you might use the turn signal. You might not. People are beeping at you. They're flipping you off. You're just like, dude, I'm following the white pickup truck. If I don't stay with the white pickup truck, I'm screwed. I'm lost. I'm in New York City. I'm going to end up getting killed, right? That's how we think down here in the South. That's, that's how we should follow Jesus. We should follow Jesus like that. Like we don't have a shot if we don't keep up with Jesus. When he says, take up your cross and follow me daily, we should daily be checking, is there any separation between me and Jesus, where he's going? Am I going there as well? It means that we check our mirrors. It means that we examine ourselves. We should be daily examining where we are in relation to where he is. And when we do that on a daily basis, it keeps us from perverting what he's called us to do. And it keeps us from becoming the perverts that I showed you on the screen to start this message. Some of you right now, just because Ted Bunny mentioned porn, like your, your heart's beating a mile a minute. You're like, dang, man, I hope we could get to a whole month and not talking about that. Maybe that's a little fox for you. Catch the little foxes. I don't want to give too much of my life away. I'll do some of that next week. But I, I don't mind telling you this. I was addicted to porn. Flat out. Because at one point as a high school student, a friend of mine threw a centerfold on a desk in front of me. I was addicted to it from that point on. So I don't know how you would deal with that, but I can tell you what my little foxes are. Okay, My little foxes, to, to catch the little foxes in my life means this. And I don't, I don't even care what you think about me. It means, it means that there are movies I won't go see. There are, there are, if I'm sitting at my house and we're watching TV and a Victoria's Secret commercial comes up, I'm going to get something to drink or I'm looking at Wendy. That's it. I'm not going to look at the TV. And you're like, well, dude, you're just such a prude. No, I'm in love with my wife. That's it. I'm in love with my Savior. I want to catch the little foxes that want to ruin the vineyard. It means that my computer is in a public room in my house. It's not password protected. I don't use, I love, is it, is it Google or Chrome that came out with private browsing? I don't use that. Wendy has access to every, my devices. It means that if you call me up as a, as a young woman and say, I need a ride, I'm not taking you. That's what it means. It means I'm trying to cast the little foxes that want to ruin my vineyard. It means if I come to your house and we're watching a Panthers game and a commercial comes on that I don't want to see, you might watch the commercial, but I'll be like, dude, you need to paint your ceiling. Seriously. <laughs> wow. Like it is, there are cobwebs everywhere here, everywhere. Like, well, I don't think I can be a part of a church where the pastor can't watch Hardy's commercials. Well, great. There's like 100 million churches to go pick from, you know. 
I'm just not going to watch them. It's not because I'm better than you. It's because I know who I am. I know what my foxes are. I want to catch them. I don't want them to ruin the vineyard that my wife and I are working on in our marriage. I don't want them to ruin the vineyard that my Lord and I are working on in my salvation. This is what it means to catch the little foxes. And, and, and honestly, it's tiring, isn't it? It's a lot easier to go with the flow. But we don't have that luxury as believers of Jesus. And so if I'm following Jesus, this is why he did not say, pick up your recliner and follow me. Right? He said, pick up your instrument of death and follow me. He said, pick up, in our, in our culture, if you pick up your electric chair and follow me. He calls us to die. That's the gospel. So that he can live through us. And if I'm not willing to do that today, then I'm going to be okay with separation between what he intends for me and what I want to do. And while it might not look like much today, like it'll look like Paul watched the Victoria's Secret commercial. Whoa. He's like everybody else on the planet. But for me, you know what that means? It means today I perverted the call. So where will I be tomorrow? And a year from now. Again, it doesn't mean if you've looked at porn, you're going to be Ted Bundy. But that was the gateway for him. He didn't catch a little fox. This week, and i, I got to wrap this up. Um, this week, I found a story on the internet, crazy story. I don't know if you saw this or not, about six people that were charged with murder for killing somebody in a church in, in New York. Did you see the story? Um, so there's this, this church in New York, 35 members, okay, um, almost all of them are family, 35 members. And they're, they've got um, a 19-year-old and a 17-year-old in the service. And the 19 and 17-year-old happen to be sons of some of the 35. And they are doing church discipline, okay? Um, so they're, they, the quote was like, you know, they were just trying to get these guys to confess wrongdoing in their lives and things that, that you know, sin that they were trying to hide. And so hours later, hours later, somebody goes, the 19-year-old's not breathing. And so they took the 19-year-old to the hospital, and he was dead. And they examined him to see why he died, and they said he died from blunt force trauma. But not at the head. Blunt force trauma in the stomach and in the chest area. Kind of like if you were going to cast out demons, like, you know, be really the man of God, right? And, you, I mean, you just tell just what I'm talking about. That's because I get so ticked off, right? Because I read stories like that, and I think, now, that's why people don't want to go to church, right? Because I want to live. Thank you. <laughs> that's why they don't like to go to church, because they read stories like that. But as I'm reading the story, here's how it fits with us today. I got about halfway into it. And they were interviewing one of the ladies that goes to the church, and she was explaining um, kind of the history of the church, and apparently they're in a neighborhood, and she said this. This is right out of the story. She said, we were not originally isolated from the community, but over time there was friction between the church and a neighboring community, she said, and that's when we put up the hedges. And, and I, re I was reading that, and I'm thinking about this message, right, about how, you know, perversion, it, it's small, small steps now, not giant leaps later, right? So here's a church, kind of like us. I mean, we've got more than 35, but there's a church, and they're meeting, and, and they, they've got to know at some point, like, you know, we're called to this community where we are. Nobody in that church, no matter how much of a monster we might think they are, nobody in that church is waking up in the morning going, today I hope we can kill somebody. I hope someday we can be a church that makes the news for murdering a member. I mean, nobody, nobody, no matter how bad the days are here, I never say to God, 
please, Lord, let me make the news today by murdering somebody. Um, Nobody wants to do that. And yet they ended up being arrested for murder. So how do you get from, I never want to do that, to doing it? Are they monsters there? No. What happens is perversion is just to separate a little bit. A small degree of separation here leads there. And at some point, they have a dispute with the neighborhood. Something's going on in the church. The neighborhood around them doesn't like it. There's a little bit of a, a, a rift between them. And what they should have done is what? Stop. Examine yourself and see if you're in the faith. They should have said, wait a second. As a church, we're following Jesus. We're taking up our cross. Maybe we should die to what we want and try to find out how we can serve the neighborhood. But instead of doing that, They made a tragic choice, and they planted hedges, and they isolated themselves. And down the road, that one small decision to build hedges between them and their community, because it was easier, results in a 19-year-old being killed, six members being arrested for murder. Do you see how it happens? How we pervert the gospel? Just little choices to separate now. Leads to the tragic end. Perversion is a matter of small steps now, not giant leaps later. I want you to close your eyes. Here's what we're going to close today. I'm going to, I'm going to read a prayer over you. Um, this is one of those messages. I think you just got to go home. You got to hang out with Jesus for the week and allow him to just begin to show you areas in your life where you need to examine yourself, where he can say, hey, here's an area where, you know, man, you're all talking, you're talking about all the bad people out there, but dude, like you're looking at porn. There's something you can, you can, you can do something about that now. Jared's a terrible, he's a, he's a, a pervert. Somebody should get rid of him. Yeah, like you're on Facebook looking at your friend's daughter dressed up in her prom dress. I mean, like these are small things, right? But they matter to God. So let me just read this over you. David wrote this. The David that knew the consequences of small separations here that lead to huge consequences there. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. He just kind of boiled that whole thing down. Here's what David prayed. He said, search me, know me, try me, lead me. Search me, know me, try me, lead me. I just want to give you right now just some margin. I'm going to pray over you for you just to start to talk to Jesus about that. God, search me and know me. Lord, in this room right now, I mean, just because of statistics, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that we're struggling with. There's all kinds of ways that, um, that we, we are making errors now that just correction can ensure direction. And so we invite you, like David did, we invite you into that process. Search me and know me. Not, not flames and, and just rain down sulfur on the world, but search me and know me. See if there's any way in me that's offensive to you, God, and lead me in the life everlasting. And I, pr- I pray that for our church. Because I know this, God, if we just take care of us, You're going to give us all kinds of opportunities to minister to others. And so in this place this morning, we just, we want to start that process. We want to examine ourselves and see if we're in the faith. Where are there areas in my life where I can, 
change. I thank you so much, God, that as we examine ourselves, as we take up our cross and follow you, you've given us two amazing resources. We'll talk about them in community group this week. But we have the Word of God and we have the people of God, two great resources to speak into our lives where we have blind spots and, and to make sure that we're corrected now so that we have the right direction later. I just pray over the gathering, God. I pray over us as we leave that um, we would know more and more how, how committed you are to making sure that we're doing the right things now so that we'll still be doing the right things later. We do not want people to be killed like that girl at Carowinds. We don't want destruction way down the road because we didn't make a correction now. So help us, Lord, we pray. In your name, Jesus, amen.